The Elephant Who Cried Mouse by Jade Maitre Once upon a time there was an elephant, Ronald. I'm sure you know how this goes. He was bewildered, frightened and absolutely terrified of mice. And mice, as you know, are very nice. Can you possibly imagine what there is to be frightened of in a mouse? They have the tiniest teeth in the world. They have soft, furry little bodies. They are the size of your finger. But Ronald couldn't help it. We don't always know why we're scared of things. Perhaps when Ronald was little, a mouse popped out of a tree when he was sleeping one night and jumped close to his face and so seemed very big to our poor little Ronald. Perhaps Ronald had a bad dream about a mouse. These things can happen, especially when we eat too much chocolate before bed. And Ronald sure did like to eat a lot of chocolate before bed. In fact, eating chocolate in bed was his favourite thing to do. So anyway, here was Ronald, a great big grown-up five-year-old elephant, who was absolutely, earthquakingly, dumbfoundedly, flabbergastedly terrified of mice. And because he felt so frozen stiff petrified of the little micey kingdom, he naturally assumed that all of his elephant family felt the same way. And being a bit of a joker in his family, he liked to scream out, Mouse! whenever he thought he would like to scare them and have a laugh. Mouse! he would cry behind his mama, and she would jump a metre into the air, and when she landed, all the trees in the vicinity would come crashing to the ground. It was a terrible mess. <laughs> Ronald would giggle behind a tree. Mama wasn't very happy. Mama wasn't scared of mice, but she knew Ronald was, and every time he screamed mouse, she would think she needed to save him from somewhere where a mouse was. Mouse! Ronald would scream behind Papa, and Papa would jump a metre into the air, and when he landed, all the water in the lakes would drench the villages, and there'd be no water left for the fish. <laughs> Ronald would giggle behind a log. Papa wasn't very happy. Papa wasn't scared of mice, but he hated loud noises. And every time Ronald screamed mouse, it made his heart gallop like a galloping horse, until he realised it was just Ronald screaming mouse. This worked like a treat for many months. Ronald would scream mouse, and everyone would get scared. But one day, Ronald screamed mouse, and nobody said or did anything at all. Hmm, maybe they didn't hear him. Mouse, he screamed again. But his whole elephant family ignored him and went about their business. They were so used to him screaming mouse that they had simply become used to it. To them, now it was just another sound of the jungle. And then Ronald turned around and what do you think he saw? A scary, hairy, creepy, crawly, chittering little mouse. Eek! shouted Ronald and jumped into a tree. The mouse stood looking up at him and scratched his head. What's wrong, he said. Didn't you call for me? And he was so soft and confused, so friendly and cute, that Ronald realised he was silly being scared. Actually, I guess I did, he said to the mouse. And so Ronald came down from the tree. Ronald still cries mouse from time to time now, but when he does, his mouse friend comes and they play on the seesaw together. And they both scream together with laughter. The end. Thank you for reading with storyberries.com. 
free stories for kids. Welcome to Storyberries Radio. You can read along with any of our stories all for free at our website, storyberries.com. The New Road by Fiske Serrah Nirongo at Bookdash. Chapansi and her best friend Luano love collecting inswa. They love to play on the old dirt road, even if Mama would tisk tisk because the stones hurt her feet. One day, big cars arrive. Mama calls them caterpillars. They cover the road in black stuff. Mama calls it tar. The road is smooth now, like walking on a mattress. But when Chapansi and Luano go to the road to catch Inswa, they only catch three. Chapansi used to love playing Chioto with Luana. But there are no more stones on the road to play with. Chapansi is worried. What if the Inswa can't breathe anymore? Chapansi kicks the road. Chapansi goes to Mama. Don't be sad, my child. Inswa will always find a way out, she says. One rainy day, Luano comes running to Chapansi's house. Inswa is back. Inswa is back. It defeated the road. Mama was right after all. The end. Thank you for reading with storyberries.com. Free stories for kids. The Night the Moon Went Missing by Shreya Yadav at Storyweaver Late one night, when her Amma and Ashan are fast asleep, Maisha grabs her goggles and sneaks out of the house. Maisha loves the beach at night, and one of her best friends lives in the sea. Maisha goes to their usual meeting place on the beach and calls out, Ushli, are you here? She can sit for hours watching Ushli fly in and out of the water. Ushli is a flying fish and loves to show off his tricks. But today, Ushli looks worried. What's the matter? Maisha asks. Why do you look so upset? Can't you see? He says. The moon is missing. The moon? Ushli is right. Their friend is not in the sky tonight. In fact, there's a big hole where the moon should have been. But we saw her just last night, Maisha exclaims. She rose from the sea, right here in front of us. Do you think she's lost underwater? We have to find her, Ushli says. But how will we see anything without moonlight? Maisha asks. Just then, Ushli notices something in the water. Every time a wave breaks in the distance, Little sparks of light glow and fade and glow again. Maisha, he shouts, excited. I have an idea. Get on my back. Let's go to those waves over there. When they reach the lights, Maisha puts on her goggles, 
holds on to Yushli tightly and... Masha gasps. She feels like she's floating in a sky full of stars. There are tiny creatures glowing all around her. Wow, who are they? She whispers to Ushli. They're plankton. Maybe they can help us light our way in the sea, Ushli says. Will you share your light with us? Masha asks one of them. The moon is missing and we need some light to find her. You will need more than just my light, the plankton says. Let me ask my friends if they can help too. Soon, Maisha and Ushli are joined by an army of little animals and their flickering lights. Now where can the moon be? Maisha wonders. I can help you, a deep, booming voice says near Maisha's ear. She spins around. The eight tentacles of a firefly squid glimmer back at her. His body is covered in neon blue lights. I saw the moon go this way just a little while ago. At first, Maisha is scared of the big tentacles, but she knows the firefly squid's light can help them see better underwater. Lead the way, Maisha says. The squid wraps one of his tentacles around Maisha's finger. Hold on tight. Then Maisha, Ushli, the glowing plankton and the firefly squid all swim down together. Down, down, down they go, where the water is very dark. But the plankton grow brighter and the squid flashes his light. There is still no moon in sight. Then they meet an anglerfish out on a hunt. She has big teeth, but Maisha is not scared anymore. Hello, she says. We're looking for the moon. Have you seen her around? Yes, says the anglerfish. I saw her swimming with some moonfish a few hours ago. Follow me. Maisha, Ushli, the squid and the plankton follow the green lure of the anglerfish. The light from the glowing animals falls like a spotlight on the dark ocean floor. Suddenly, Maisha sees something white under a rock. It's the moon. Help, squeaks the moon. I'm stuck. The squid lifts the rock with his tentacles. Hurrah, everyone shouts as the pale moon slips out. What happened? Ushli asks. I came here to meet my cousins, the moonfish, says the moon. I got lost on my way back when my light began to fade, and then I got stuck under this rock. Thank you for coming to look for me. So this is where you are when you're not in the sky, Maisha says. The moon smiles and begins to float up towards the surface. Finally, she jumps into the sky. Ushli and Maisha wave goodbye to their new friends and swim back to the beach in the moonlight. The stars under the sea continue to shine deep into the night. Meet the Lightmakers Did you know that many animals, both above and underwater, are able to make their own light? The tiny plankton that Maisha and Ushli meet glow to scare the animals that might eat them. When they sense movement in the water, the plankton let out bright sparks as a warning. Sometimes, waves and boat traffic also trigger this light. While planktonic animals have a chemical in them that helps them glow, the firefly squid has special organs called photophores that produce its light. Thousands of these light-producing photophores on the squid's body flash to attract food or impress a mate or confuse predators. 
The lures of anglerfish get their light from the glowing bacteria that live inside them. Many plants and animals glow above water too. Fireflies, some mushrooms, and even you emit a tiny amount of light every day. The end. Thank you for reading with storyberries.com. Free stories for kids. The Whizzing Roundabout by Andrea Kazmarek Zoe is in a wheelchair. My legs don't work, she tells people who ask. And Zoe can do many things, just like all children, but not everything. Zoe goes to school and plays most of the games, but not all of them. Zoe goes to the playground, and that is the problem. She plays in the sand, she plays catch the ball, and then she watches her friends on the swings, slides and roundabouts. Why aren't there any rides for wheelie kids? I wish, I wish, Zoe tells her mother. What rides do you wish, Zoe? The lady sitting with her mother by the sand asks. Slides and swings and roundabouts, Zoe laughs. But there are wheelchair roundabouts, you know, the lady tells Zoe and her mother. But not in our park, Zoe looks around. Zoe's mother and the lady start to talk. Grown-up stuff, boring. Zoe shakes her head and she finishes off her sand city, which starts her thinking swings and roundabouts again, until Daisy joins her and the sand city gets bigger and better. On the way home, Zoe's mum talks about the lady in the park. Nina, that's her name, thinks a wheelchair roundabout would be a great thing for all the children. We're going to get one. Zoe turned her head and laughed. Are we? And that's what happened, bit by bit by bit. The park man said, yes, but it costs lots. The mothers said, we'll ask people to help. A sign went up. Zoe painted it with her friend Daisy. Help Zoe get her wheelchair roundabout. We need helpers and money. Daisy's dad found a wheelchair roundabout, not new but good, for sale. Zoe's dad found helpers. The lady in the park started collecting money for the roundabout. Oh, said the park man, I can't say no now, can I? If you collect half of the money and everyone helps to set it up, then Zoe can have her wheelchair roundabout. In the next weeks, there were roundabout parties in the park, cookies and juice for Zoe's roundabout, and most people joined in and even gave a little extra. Daisy's dad agreed a price for the wheelchair roundabout, and another dad with a pickup truck went to collect it. A wheelchair roundabout needs a big hole to put it in, so a wheelchair can roll on and roll off easily. So there was a dig a big round hole party and the park man couldn't stop laughing. Zoe, do you know what you started with your idea? I can hardly believe it myself. And bit by bit by bit, Zoe's wheelchair roundabout was ready. The park man tested it out and it was time for the very last party. The biggest party, the wheelchair roundabout party. Cookies and juice, but this time free. Bright balloons on the roundabout and Zoe's wheelchair. A man from the TV came with a camera and the park was full of children to help Zoe test her whizzing roundabout. Zoe, you have to be the first to whiz around with your friends. I tried yesterday and it is fine but that doesn't count, the park man laughed. And so Zoe's mum wheeled Zoe onto her own special roundabout. Daisy, Kitty and Sam, her school friends, joined in, four feet on. And who was going to give it a big great spinning push? 
The park man laughed. What did I get myself into? And the TV man made a film of the first whizzing spin. The wheelchair roundabout spun and spun and everybody clapped and Zoe laughed and laughed, spinning and whizzing and she didn't want to stop at all. I feel giddy, it's great, my very own whizzy roundabout. I never would have dreamed it. But Zoe's mum shouted, stop, you don't want to spin too much and let all the other children take a turn, Zoe. Yes, Zoe agreed, I love my whizzing roundabout, but after all those cookies I feel a tiny bit sick. Not a good idea. Zoe's mum laughed. Yes, wheelie kids can get sick on a whizzing roundabout too, but Zoe, please, not today, please. The park man laughed too and whispered to Zoe's mum, There's a wheelchair swing and I have a plan, but please, please don't tell Zoe yet. I need a rest. The end. Thank you for reading with storyberries.com. Free stories for kids. There's an Alien in My House by Rifoli Moaloli at Bookdash. There's an alien in my house. We're under attack. The walls are changing colour. It must be the alien. The air is getting warmer. It must be the alien. Strangers keep coming. It must be the alien. We need protection. I build a fort. Mum and Dad normally build with me, but these days I feel invisible. It must be the alien. I hear a weird noise in the middle of the night. It must be the alien. We are under attack. I am an army of one. One step, two step, I am the army. Three step, four step, ready for battle. Five step, six step, away with you alien. Seven step, eight step, I get closer. Nine step, ten step, I am by its head. Whoa, I get a fright. It is tiny and it looks like me. How can that be? Is it really an alien? Maybe it's a friend. Maybe it's my friend. One step, two step. We are now an army of two. The end. Thank you for reading with storyberries.com. Free stories for kids. Shaka and Mazi by Sulaka Agoro at Bookdash. Shaka has a new friend that only he can see. His name is Mazi, he tells Mama. But whenever Mama comes to Shaka's room, Mazi runs and hides. Mazi likes to laugh. He makes Shaka laugh too. They roll in the grass and build castles in the sand. Can Mazi eat with us? Shaka asks Papa at dinner. But when Papa looks up, Mazi hides behind the curtains. One day, Mama tells Shaka, Papa has a new job. We are moving to another town. Can Mazi come? Shaka asks Mama. 
ask him, Mama says. But Shaka can't see Mazi anywhere. The next afternoon, the big truck comes. Soon, the house is empty. But Shaka can't leave. Where has Mazi gone? Is Mazi in the garden? Has he jumped over the fence? Maybe Mazi's papa got a new dob too, Mama says. He might also have moved away. When Shaka gets to the new house, there is a boy next door. My name is Matty, says the boy with a smile. Sometimes we miss old friends, Mama says, but there is always room in our hearts for new ones. The end. Thank you for reading with Storyberries.com. Free stories for kids. The Little Peach Who Spoke Italian by Jade Maitre Tiberius Copernicus loved plants. He loved the way they grew, from very small to big and green. He loved smelling flowers and looking at all their different colours. He loved tasting the ones that were meant to be eaten. Mint leaves had a sharp, sweet taste. Basil was earthy and yummy. Rosemary smelled like remembering. He loved lining up the pots in colourful rows and ordering them, from shortest to tallest, from bushiest to slimmest, from hairiest to sleekest. But what Tiberius Copernicus liked best was to collect the seeds of fruits and vegetables after he'd eaten them. He collected apple seeds and orange seeds. He collected mandarin seeds and watermelon seeds. He collected avocado seeds and mango seeds. If bananas had hard seeds, he would have collected them too. One day, Tiberius Copernicus and his family went on a drive to Italy. It was very hot in Italy because it was the summertime. On the beach, Tiberius Copernicus ate gelato and pizzas and tomatoes with basil and olive oil. There were no seeds in any of these things except in the tomatoes which were too slippery to catch. But one day, Tiberius Copernicus ate a peach. It was covered with a soft down. It was so sweet and juicy. After he'd eaten it, Tiberius looked at the little peach stone left over in his hand. Throw it away, said Mummy. Throw it away, said Daddy. But Tiberius Copernicus didn't throw it away. He tucked it into his fist and wouldn't open it for anybody. I want to plant it, he said. Plant it, said his mummy. We can't plant it. We're on holidays. But Tiberius Copernicus refused to go anywhere unless he could take his little peach stone with him. I want to take it home with us, said Tiberius Copernicus. Mummy and Daddy looked at Tiberius Copernicus's face. It was a face that meant what it said. So Daddy found a pot. They put some dirt in it and planted the little peach stone. It looked comfortable in the pot. They gave it some water and put its bottom in a plastic bag in case it leaked in the car. 
Tiberius Copernicus nursed it in his lap all the way around Italy. Every time they stopped the car, Tiberius Copernicus took the pot filled with dirt and put it somewhere sunny. He thought the little peach stone might like to talk to the other plants they saw there. But what will your little peach stone do when we arrive back at home? asked Mummy. He will speak Italian and the other plants won't understand him. I will talk to him, said Tiberius Copernicus. He kissed the side of the pot and hugged the stone close to him. But inside, something was starting to worry. What if the peach stone was lonely back at home? Tiberius Copernicus knew there was only one thing to do. He would have to learn Italian. The next day, they went swimming at a beach, La Spiaggia. He splashed the little peach stone with water, aqua. They made a sand castle, un castello di sabbia. And the whole day, the little peach stone was warmed by the lovely sun, il sole, on its pot. At the end of the day, Tiberius Copernicus held the pot close to him and said, Ti amo, little peach stone. And like this, Tiberius Copernicus began to learn Italian. He learned that il cielo means the sky, and un giardino means a garden, and gli alberi means the trees. He tried to speak with the little peach stone about the things it would understand and be interested in, because that's what we do with people we love. One morning, towards the end of their holidays, Tiberius Copernicus went in a boat in a lake on top of a mountain. When he came back in, he dried off and put his clothes back on. When the whole family was back in the car and had been driving for many hours, Tiberius Copernicus suddenly remembered what he had forgotten at the lake. My little peach seed, he cried, and then he cried some more because he had left the little stone in its pot all the way back at the lake. It was too far to go back. Tiberius Copernicus felt very lonely, solitario, for many days and nights. But then he thought about the little peach seed and wondered if another little boy, an Italian boy, might have found his peach friend and planted him somewhere sunny. After many days and nights, Tiberius Copernicus thought some more and knew that that must be what had happened. He thought about the day that he would return to Italy and see his little seed all fully grown and be able to kiss it and say, Ti amo. And that little peach tree might ruffle its leaves and drop into his hand a very sweet, perfectly round baby Italian peach to say thank you for believing in him all the way back when he was just a little peach stone. The end. Thank you for reading with storyberries.com. Free stories for kids. A Friend for Pucci by Mira Ganapathy at Storyweaver. Pucci had 100 legs and was quite hairy. No, wait. He was very, very hairy. Anyone who touched him would come down with an uncontrollable fit of itching. So most people stayed away from him. Poochie wished he couldn't see them all making icky faces and scurrying away when they saw him. But with six large eyes, 
it was hard to overlook that kind of meanness. He hid in dark places, under dry leaves and in wet mud, where no one would run into him or exclaim at his ugliness. Hidden away like that, Poochie felt safe for quite a while, but as the days went by, he grew bored. Poochie needed a friend. One day, deciding to be brave, he brushed himself with a dry leaf and approached an ant family nearby. Hello, said Poochie, smiling at the line of red ants, displaying his hairy teeth. He really was super hairy, even his teeth had hair. Work, 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 the ants chanted as they walked past him carrying heavy loads of sugar and dirt, their stingers high and proud in the air. The ants had no time for friends. Instead, Poochie decided to chat with a snail. She seemed to take things easy. Hello, he said sweetly. But the snail crawled into her shell in record time, by snail standards. I'm shy, she shouted from inside the shell. Can you leave a note instead? But Poochie had no paper to write a note on. Besides, he wanted to talk. Maybe I need to meet someone more outgoing, he said to himself. But who? A bzzz filled the air and Poochie noticed a tiny dark cloud flying overhead. Aha! An army of mosquitoes! The mosquitoes were always buzzing around in a swarm. What fun it would be to make friends with this rowdy bunch. Hello, said Poochie. Blood, 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 slurred the mosquitoes. They barely even noticed Poochie as they swarmed away in search of another drink. Maybe I need a friend who isn't too busy or shy or rowdy, thought Poochie. Just then he noticed a plump golden wasp drinking nectar out of a pink flower. Poochie cleared his throat. Uh, uh, hello? He felt a bit nervous. She was so golden and pretty. Poochie's words rushed out of him. Can we be friends? The wasp laughed. Why would I want to be friends with you? I have a whole colony of friends. With that, she flew back to her nest. Poochie wanted to cry, but his tears could never decide which eye to fall from, so he shook his head sadly and hid under a leaf. It was cold, wet and a bit stinky there, but that was exactly how he liked it. Who needs friends, thought Poochie. That night there was a big storm and the leaf that covered Poochie was blown away. Homeless and scared, Poochie curled himself into a ball. The next morning, Poochie felt better and stretched out his 100 legs one by one. He crawled out of his hole in the soil and walked towards the green grass in search of breakfast. Eek! Poochie looked up to see a little girl looking down at him, screaming. He seemed to have crawled up her shoe. Horribly ashamed of his ugliness, Poochie scrunched himself into a tight ball and refused to look. Shh! came another voice, calm and gentle. That's a beautiful little Poochie, said the gentle voice. Poochie opened one of his eyes to see who this could be. Who was this who knew his name? Wait, who was this who thought he was beautiful? The voice belonged to an old lady who tenderly deposited Poochie onto a leaf with a twig. Poochies are a gardener's best friend, said the old lady to the little girl. They help turn the soil into manure and keep everyone in the garden healthy and happy. The old lady picked up the leaf Poochie was on 
Poochie felt warm inside. He looked up sweetly at the old lady. The lady smiled back. And then she chucked him. Screamed Poochie as he plunged deeper and deeper into a dark, sunless pit. Bump! He landed softly on something damp, cool, and stinky. Deliciously stinky! He sniffed the air again. Mmm! Orange peels with a hint of rotting banana skin. Delicately crumbled eggshell. Mulchy, mouldy bread. Ripely rotting rotties. Stale, aging cake. Sickly, squelchy sabji, grey, furry dahi, grossly garbagey cabbage. He was in the most amazing place ever, a large, damp and stinky compost heap. Poochie squelched his way through the beautiful mulchy darkness, feeling everything around his new home. He'd be so happy here. Suddenly a thought struck him. Would he also be lonely here in the darkness with no one to talk to? Just then, hello, came a voice out of the darkness. Can we be friends, said another voice. Who is there? What is your name? asked Poochie. Poochie, said one. Poochie, said another. Poochie, said one more. Poochie, said yet another one. Dr. P-U-C-H-E, M-A-M-B-B-S, came another voice. Le Poochie, said another someone else. T-Poochie, the T is silent, said another. As his eyes adjusted to the dark, Poochie noticed hundreds of worms of different shapes and colours gathering and mushing soil. He was delighted. From then on, Poochie spent his days with many Poochie friends. Now that Poochie has gotten older, he lives in the gardener's home in a pot by the window where the soil smells of lemons. She is still his best friend. The end. Thank you for reading with storyberries.com. Free stories for kids. Floof Wants a Phone by Jade Maitre Oh, how Floof really wanted a phone. All his friends seemed to have one. Mum and Dad were always looking at theirs. It always seemed like interesting things were happening on a phone. But Floof had a very big problem. Big pause. Anytime he saw a phone left somewhere, he would sidle up and try to turn it on and... Nothing would happen. Floof's big paws were too big. And this was particularly unfair because one day, what should he find left alone in a park but someone's phone? Floof picked it up with his big paws. He asked everyone whether it was their phone. Floof was a good boy. Nobody knew whose phone it was. Why don't you try turning it on, said someone. You might find out who it belongs to. But Floof had big paws. He tried and tried, but the phone wouldn't work for him. Then another dog turned up. It's mine, he said. Oh, good, said Floof. He was happy he could return it. This dog was called Ollie, but he had another problem. Big claws. I got it for my birthday, said Ollie, but I've never used it. My claws are too long. I can't get it to work. 
And how can I have any fun if I can't use a phone? Both Ollie and Floof looked a bit sad. But then Floof brightened up. Why don't we use it as a ball, Floof said. I will throw it to you and you to me. And who would have thought it, but big paws and big claws were perfectly suited to playing throw and catch. It was the best fun two dogs have ever had with a phone in the entire history of phones. Just remember, please don't use your parents' phone as a ball, but go outside and play with a real one like Floof and Dolly. They're lots of fun. The end. Thank you for reading with storyberries.com. Free stories for kids. Let's Be Friends by Murray Hunter at Bookdash. It's time to make some friends. Making friends can be hard, but let's try. Hello, hi. Do you like to swim? So do I. Let's be friends. Oh dear. Hello, hi. Do you like seashells? So do I. Let's be friends. Oh my. Hello, hi. Are you a fish? So am I. Let's be friends. Oh no. Nobody wants to be my friend. Let's be friends! The end. Thank you for reading with storyberries.com. Free stories for kids.